Oh, Grant Bills. I'm Ben Kenny. He's Grant. It's the Bill Michaels Show. I'll get that out of the way quick. Oh, I don't know what to believe. I don't, Grant. I am surfing Twitter mm. while we're on break. And uh, MLB Leaks is a... I, I'm not going to completely trust this Twitter account, but I don't know what purpose it serves, and it has a lot of followers. There are a lot of... There's a lot being made about what's happening with Ramon Laureano right now. Um, there, there are some thoughts that the Brewers could be close to favorites to get that deal done. Grant, even if you take away Freddie, uh, Frankie Montas, if the Brewers get Ramon Laureano, I will be over the moon. Over the moon. Yep. Me too. I like the Laureano deal because you're picking on a team that's trying to be cheap and doesn't really want to pay guys. And those are the types of teams, types of owners that you want to go after, right? So I like targeting Oakland in any potential trade. And I know you you said take Montas out of it, but here's what you do. You put together a really nice deal for Loriano. You get the A's thinking that they're almost to the finish line. And then at the very end, you say, you know, also we want Montas. And then you just kind of like a throw in and add in in the deal because they, they're not going to blow up the deal because they need to keep Montas. You know what I mean? Part of me thinks deep down that's what the Dodgers did a few years ago when they got Scherzer and Trey Turner at once. Yep. You put together the framework, you get it almost to the finish line, and then at the very end, ah, we want Montas too. And chances are, hopefully, they'll they'll come around. And for all those small ball people out there, Loriano has seven stolen bases this season. I believe the Brewers have only seven as well. So he does everything. Defense, everything. 877-867-1670. We'll get more into Loriano and all that stuff coming up in a bit. Let's go to the phones, though. Line one. Tom, welcome to the Bill Michaels Show. What's on your mind, man? Hey, how's it going? It's Tom from Lacrosse. Uh, I got I had two things at first, but now it's three. Okay, you guys are talking about getting Ramon Liriano from Oakland? That's a, That would be really nice. He's got a huge yeah. arm. Anyways, I want to respond to Dave. Oh, Dave. I love this. <laughs> uh, he had a huge problem with Mike Leach, right? Mike Leach is one of the best coaches of all time. And, uh, okay, maybe that's controversial, but also the other thing you have to be dressing nice to look good or to get respect. We're not in the 1920s anymore. This is not how it works. This, I, I like this. You know, Dave is, we have a big, like my generation versus yours from that perspective. I think we yeah. need more, maybe a little younger people saying my generation to yours. I want a generational battle on this show. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get my, get my feet wet here. I'm not going to get my hands dirty but I'll definitely be the guy pressing the buttons to allow the talking to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm only in my thirties, but it, I, I feel the same way. Even at work, it's like, you don't need to have your shirt tucked in. Who cares? There's nobody in the office. That's a customer. Who cares? Nobody cares. Yeah. It's, it's just the tie thing. The rest of it. I, I mean, I get it. If you look yeah. good, you feel good. All the, all that stuff. I, uh, you want to impress people. I get it. But in terms of just the, the tie itself, I think it's a very unnecessary piece of cloth. Yeah, you don't need the tie. You don't need the tie. And annoying. The t- like, I know how to just tie one. The ties but... in the garbage, plain and simple. Yeah, or as Mike Leach said, uh, his big point was it's too small to be a bib, but he's going to start using it as a pseudo-napkin. Which, if you think about it, oh, that could make a lot oh, of I sense. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. I didn't, I didn't know about that, but yeah. It just would look kind of disgusting after a what while. About, what about this? a tie that halfway down has a buckle so you can unbuckle the bottom half to wash it and then buckle a clean one on. Wow. Or 
Wow, yeah. Or it's yep. just a paper towel. But that would be also. That would be a, a, a lot less. Uh, what's the word? Well, I'm I think for? everybody should just donate their ties. They they can become napkins at high class restaurants. So done. Yeah. Love it. All right, appreciate it, Tom. Yep. Call again, man. 877-867-1670. You wanna you wanna join the show? Do it. There is talk about ties and dressing. Uh, a little bit of breaking news here out of the MLB. Marlins All Star second baseman Jazz Chisholm Jr. His back has revealed a stress fracture. So that's about a six-week recovery. Sox, he was an all-star having a terrific, terrific season. Um, I, and, I mean, that Marlins team is, is pretty fun, honestly, uh, even if you go to their rotation. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, one of the best pitchers in baseball. But So we're talking Ramon Laureano here, and we have been for much of today. How do the Brewers build a contender? I mean, I, I've been all in on him. I think the point... Um, the point you said was was a good one about maybe trying to get Montas too. Cheddarballs tweets in at Ben Z Kenny on Twitter over the moon for a guy who hits two thirty six, uh, Loriano. And listen, it's not only what he, it's not only the batting average that he hits. And here we I, go. well, not here we go. I'm not even going to talk about the other stats. He hasn't been great at the plate this year, but throughout his career, here's the thing: if you go trade for Andrew Benatendi, you're betting that this season is somehow the new trend instead of just knowing that the rest of his career, he's been an average guy. Ramon Luriano, on the other hand, if you look like the numbers are not going to blow you away, but his first year in 2018, he plays 48 games. He hits 288 OPS of 832. 2019, a lot of strikeouts there, but 288 OPS of 860. Then a couple down years, 2020, 2021. Uh, and then 2022 is kind of along that same that same level, but the, the gap power is there. There's a lot of doubles. The home run power has been there for a couple of years, but I think what he brings a in the field B running the bases and then C you hope the bat comes around. I would be over the moon. Hmm. I think so too. Yes. I think unless you're going for Soto or Soto is really the only guy in that level who's available you're hoping that the guy you bring in energizes the rest of the roster, right? You're hoping that it has an impact greater than just whatever stats Loriano brings in. I also like Loriano maybe better than Josh Bell because under team control for the next two years, he's not an unrestricted yep. free agent until 2025. So that fits your window nicely. He also, I mean, yes, he is currently hitting 236. Um, I, I want to scroll down a bit here and look, I mean, when you talk about war overall, 2019, that's three and a half, which is a, a pretty solid season. 2021, 2.6. This year, the fielding has been a little down, which is weird. I think there have been some uh, outlier plays, I guess, out there in the field. A couple inside the park home runs where he was too aggressive. But his salary is not high. I, I still think there is improvement to be had at the plate. Uh, how about this, Grant? His So a good indicator of where things could trend is batting average on balls in play. And everyone talks about average, yes, but think about it. There also could be some luck involved with where the ball lands, where it drops in, a bloop, all that stuff. In 2019, when he had probably his best season as a big leaguer, his batting average balls in play was 342, which is really high because his average was only, uh, what was it, 288. Now this year, he's hitting 236, but... Batting average and balls in play is all the way down at 284. You expect that to go up a little bit, I guess is my point here. So 
I don't know. I, I think there's a lot there. I think there's improvement to be had. Maybe similar like like Willie Adamas, who comes over. He wasn't having a great season. Then he gets in the building, and there's a little bit of reigniting going on. And suddenly, yeah. he th- that offense changes. And uh, he had one really good year before the Brewers had a chance to ruin him over the offseason. <laughs> Which is fair. Loriano yeah. could have that couple months stretch. Cheddar uh, Ball says we need offense, not defense. We need guys to hit. Feels like another ho-hum guy like we already have. Uh, I will note in center field right now, you do need defense because unless you want Jonathan Davis getting at bats in the playoffs, you're going to need someone to play that position. And if you put McCutcheon there, I don't really think that's going to work out. He's old. The mobility's not there. Getting a good defensive center fielder that can help the lineup, it makes it deeper. And I mean, we're talking about his production. It's not like you're paying top dollar. It's not like you're paying Josh Bell money to get him. Maybe with the team control you are, but still it's not like we're paying high for a Ben attendee who has a good average this year and is a good defensive left fielder, but not good in center. Meanwhile, you could buy low on a guy like Loriano, terrific defense, terrific base running and some outlying numbers that make it look like he'll improve. You're buying Ben attendee at basically his top value right now. And chances are he'll probably drop off a little bit in the second half of the year. I'd rather buy low, especially at this point where, you know, we're taking flyers on guys. None of these guys are MVPs. So you're projecting. And also Brewers fans don't need defense. This team was built on run prevention. Remember? Problem is all their pitchers have gotten hurt and their defense sucks. Horrible. So if we, yeah. So for a team that's supposed to win on run prevention, we're not in a great spot. So yes, we could take defense. We'll take all the defense we can get. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. What would you feel? Are you all in on Loriano? What would your feelings be if the Brewers acquire him? When we come back, we're going to get into the Packers a little bit. We could also take your calls. Other avenues you would go to bolster this Brewers team as they enter the trade deadline in the second half of the year. There is a poll up on my Twitter account at Ben Z. Kenny. Are ties completely unnecessary and uncomfortable? And do they serve no real purpose? 54% say yes, 45% say no. Interesting stuff. More will be revealed. We'll see how that trends. Uh, Mike Leach coming out and saying that neck ties are completely pointless. Um, this morning, I mean, it's somehow the conversation grant moved to Thanksgiving parades. I don't know how, and it's something to do with ties. Um huh? I don't really know. There was like, there was some heated discussion on both sides. Some saying that you need the tie there to pretty much make you a good salesperson. When my argument was you're doing sales over the phone, what's the difference? Uh, There, there were a lot of thoughts there. Like I said, you know, if I was going to put a tie on and do radio, I'd probably do worse because my neck would be constricted. Yeah. Got to let it breathe by the tie. The most ironic part of this discussion is the one guy who has a problem with not wearing ties because it makes you look slobby. <laughs> he's the, yeah, he's the one who can't see. He's the blind. So one. he's the blind guy. Say it. Um, yeah. All right. Eight, seven, seven, eight, six, seven, 16, 70. We're going to step away here. Take a quick break a little early. Cause when we come back, Packers rookies are reporting today at training camp. Who are the rookies that could break out? Which one will have the biggest impact We'll tackle that next. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels show on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network. 
right, welcome back in. I'm Ben Kenny. He's Grant Bills. We're in for Bill today. Packers football. Training camp is getting underway next week, as is obviously Big Ten Media Days. I will be at the latter. Rookies are reporting, though, Grant, today. So I thought it'd be interesting. There is a, it's an impressive rookie class that is deep. During years where you trade away your first round pick, you might not come in and say which rookie can make the biggest impact. Years when you have two first round picks and make a lot of selections, that may change. Obviously, the class headlined by Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt. You have Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, Kingsley and Agbare, Jonathan Ford, Tariq Carpenter, Rashid Walker, Samori Torre. Which of those guys, of the rookies they brought in, maybe you could say undrafted guys if you want to stake a claim in Tyler Goodson, who couldn't really get off the ground at Iowa, who was very good at Iowa. I'm sorry. I take that back. He was a great running back. He just, you know, I, I don't think it's there in the NFL. But yeah, when you talk about the rookie draft class, ours, is there one or two, maybe one from each side of the ball? Or if you want to go special teams as well, which guys do you think at the end of the year, we look back and say, you know, he had a big impact on this season. I've been banging the Devontae Wyatt drum in conversations like this. So I'm going to continue to bang that drum. Even if he doesn't play like a superstar, he gives the Packers something that they haven't had the last couple of years. Like go back to 2019, the way that the 49ers smoked them on the ground. The Packers in their defensive front have had Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and whatever, Tyler Lancaster, or some guy from Iowa. What the heck was his name? Jack Heflin. Yeah. Am I thinking of the right guy? Yeah. So they've rotated a lot of guys. He's in there. still there. Yeah. He, was he a practice squad guy last year? I think. I think so. I think he went up and down. It doesn't really matter. The the only the only point that our Jack Heflin conversation will serve is showing that we don't really follow what goes on at the bottom of the Packers roster. So we can leave it. It's fine because I don't know. I think Devontae Wyatt gives the Packers something they haven't had the last couple of years because it'll give Kenny Clark the freedom to play how he wants. Like Kenny Clark's been wearing all of the hats for that Packers defensive line. His job can be a little bit more specific, and I think that'll help him make huge plays. Um, and they brought in Reed. Too. So Wyatt is this high upside blue chip prospect from a blue chip defense and him just being there and being on the field and being an option is going to do so many things for players around him. So I'll, I'll bang the Devonte Wyatt drum. I'm with that. I mean, I also think it's good. And I've said this about many of their new additions. We kind of talked about this in a way with their off season additions in general, but you throw Sammy Watkins, Jerron Reed, Rich Basaccia mm-hmm. being hired into that as well, but he's not, he doesn't need to do that much really. And, and they're going to rotate a lot of guys. The freshness is going to be there. Hopefully TJ Slayton turns into something. So they could really go five deep confidently, maybe six yeah. best case scenario. So I'm with that. I think stat sheet instant impact. My pick is Quay Walker. Yeah. Like I think if we go back and watch the film of every game could be, realistic that Devontae Wyatt has the biggest like what he just did is the reason that something else happened but if we talk pure stat sheet production I think Quay Walker is your guy he is crazy athletic he flies around everywhere every single Packers writer has been raving about him throughout uh, the rookie camp and the the periods before training camp here so 
I'm all in on, on Quay Walker. I think the defensive additions have been terrific. And again, Quay Walker doesn't have to do everything there. He's surrounded by a secondary that's great. He's surrounded by edge rushers at the top that are really good. Maybe not a lot of depth there, but he's next to Devondre Campbell, who is uh, run stuffer extraordinaire. So Quay Walker, maybe in coverage everywhere. He'll be my pick for the stat sheet. Big impact. But let's go a little deeper down because yes, I think it's very likely that whenever you have two first round picks and a second round pick in Wyatt Walker and Christian Watson, one of those three are going to be the most productive guys. But how about past round two, past those top three, we're talking the two O linemen, Sean Ryan in the third round. I'll include him. Zach Tom in the fourth. We're talking mm-hmm. Romeo dubs in the fourth Kingsley and Agbare in the fifth Jonathan Ford and Tariq Carpenter in the seventh. And then Rashid Walker, Samori Torre, also in the seventh. A little bit lower down. Where are you at? Give me some Samori Torre stock. I want to buy property on his street in that neighborhood. I, I don't know. It's got a feeling, and it's not just his name. Like Aaron Rodgers shouted him out to McAfee. That just seems like the type of guy that, for whatever reason, Rodgers just is all over. I love this guy. Here's a theory. Rodgers likes to sneaky make it work with the lesser wide receivers early on. Like he takes some sort of pride in that. Like, Hey, this guy went in the seventh round, but if I was a GM, I would have taken him higher. I see something in him that no one else sees. You know I mean? That, that was Lazard. That was Kumaro. I'm not trying to like mentally diagnose Aaron Rodgers here, but maybe there's, he enjoys the challenge of trying to make it work with those lesser heralded guys. Wow. I like that take. I kind of do too. I just, like I, I could see that being true. I'll put on the Rogan hat for a second. It's like, yes. wait, that's not true. But the fact I would believe it tells you enough. So I, I mean, I love that take. I'm all it in seems on like it's true. So it might as well be true. I'm all in on Torre as well. He was second in the big 10 last year at Nebraska in deep receiving yards. He has four, four speed. Not only could he maybe crack a inexperienced wide receiving core, but Let's think about special teams for a second here. He has four, four speed. That is pure gunner mode. Um, I mean, going now, Nebraska had maybe the worst special teams I've ever seen in my life. Similar to the Green Bay Packers in that regard last season. I don't believe he was out there given the fact he was a starter. I would assume that he wouldn't be, but still, I Toure was talking earlier this off season. He said, I've had special team snaps throughout my career at Montana before Nebraska. That's something I can really be good at. And I'm willing to put a lot of focus towards it entering the NFL. Listen, I mean, he's a seventh round pick. He needs to carve out a role somewhere. Mm -hmm. So if you have four, four speed and athleticism and you become a terrific gunner on special teams and make the worst unit of all time, a little bit better, that kind of leads into what you can then do on offense. So the floor looks really good there. Aaron Rodgers said on Pat McAfee, he said, physically they, as in Toure and Dub and uh and, no, excuse me, as in Dubs and Watson. Physically, they yep. definitely looked the part. All three of the guys we have drafted, including Torre, have the physical gifts. Obviously, the top two picks are bigger. The seventh rounder, though, has a lot of stuff to him. And that's what I saw as well. I've mentioned this in the past, but when I watch Wisconsin Badger football and their defense is so next level good, and there's an opponent that can go and have games against them and make them look a little silly. That's why I love Adrian Martinez. 
current Kansas State quarterback, former Nebraska. Oh, That's God. why I don't think Aiden O'Connell, AOC, is very good because Wisconsin housed him. But Samori Torre had a game against Wisconsin. And you could throw in other names of guys that were drafted that did as well. Jahan Dotson at Penn State, he got drafted. Uh, Austin Allen, the tight end in Nebraska, he got drafted. But guys that can go and perform against the crazy good Badger defense, Justin Fields, obviously, it makes me more bullish on them entering the NFL. That's how I feel about Toure. He had a terrific game against them and kind of made them look look silly for a little bit. Uh, I was going back and I was looking at the stats of the Wisconsin-Penn State championship game a couple of years ago. I was like, who cut them up on offense? Because they gave up some really long touchdowns. It actually wasn't the big-name guys. I, I I was prepared to try to you know carve a take here on the fly that was like, you could tell Godwin and Gasecki and Barkley were just going to well, run the league because what they did against Wisconsin, but they really didn't. It, it was wasn't what they did against Wisconsin. I remember going back and watching Godwin's film of him at Penn State. I, you, you could see it. I mean, against everybody, uh, against everybody they played. But yeah, that, I don't remember who really went off. Saeed Blacknail. Yeah. Blacknell, oh, God. And Deshaun Hamilton. Yep. Six for 155 and eight for 118. Deshaun Hamilton is in the league, I think. He might be on the Broncos. Let me open up his profile. I am not really sure. Uh, While you do that, 877-867-6. He's not in the league. (laughs) 877-867-1670. Let's go to line one. Welcome to the Bill Michaels Show. Who do we got? Hi, this is Janet. Hey, Janet. How are you? How are you today? No, Shannon. Shannon. Shannon, I'm sorry. Shannon. I was wondering if you wanted a woman's perspective on the whole tie conversation earlier. I would... I would love a women's perspective on the tie conversation because I don't know if I'm a crazy person. Well, I am going to go with whichever caller said it's not necessary. Yes. Okay. And if you're like John Ham from Mad Men, it's really just not <laughs> needed anymore. Big John Ham guy right here preaching to the <laughs> choir. Wow. <laughs> why? I. Why do you think that? Elaborate. Well, the workplace should be a comfortable setting, and if you have guys showing up in ties all dressed to impress, it just feels a little too serious for my taste. A little over the top. Yeah, I'm with a you. A little over the top, yes. Is And in my opinion, at least, it's not the deal breaker. You can look really nice without having to wear a tie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Agreed. A nice button down, a, a, a coat, whatever. I don't know. I'm not great at fashion, clearly. I mean, I work in radio. There's no oh, video component to it. But <laughs> so I, you're not I, wearing a tie is what you're saying? I'm not wearing a tie. Actually, we talked about this on the morning show, and Ebo, great co-host there, went out and found a tie and put it on for the last hour. So it, <laughs> it's possible, but he looked ridiculous, and it was unnecessary. So there you go. Well, he had a T-shirt on. Yeah, whatever. Well, plus it's casual Fridays, so it's extra ridiculous on a Friday. 100%. I love it. Thank you so much for this perspective. I, I needed this. Because I don't know if I'm just a crazy person talking into the ether. I, I appreciate no. that there are others out there that feel this way. All right. Have All right. a great weekend. Love it. You, you as well. Thanks for the phone call. Wow. That's awesome, Grant. That made my day. I'm glad that. I'm glad that we get some different perspectives on this. I'm glad in radio is like the worst. We never dress nice. We never have to. So we need other opinions. Well, I'm glad she didn't say I agree with the caller a day from Monona.
because that would have been a nightmare for my day. But no, has has anyone ever called in to say those words? Nope. Uh, speaking of calling in eight, seven, seven, eight, six, seven, 1670. Let's go to line one. You're in the Bill Michaels show. Who do we got? Hey, it's Rick. I'm a, I, I talked to Grant quite a bit. Yeah. What up, Rick? I, talking Rick. Hey, I just, wa- I just wanted to give you my little bit of a take. Um, you know, I grew up watching Landry from the Cowboys and just looking at him on TV. I just automatically had respect for him, but I think it's how, it, how you carry yourself. It's not just wearing a tie. I really don't care if you wear a tie or not, but I was just going to say about Dave from Monona, you seem to have a hard time with him. Myself? No. Why would you say no. that? I don't know. I just, that's how I read into it, but he I know, only, I'm being sarcastic. He's a little bit too coarse, but, uh, he only gives you guys all that grief because he likes you. I think Dave's the type of guy that uh, when Grant's hauling him around next week or whenever it is, he could have <laughs> the last twenty bucks, last twenty bucks in the world in his pocket. When they stop for lunch, he'll have a five dollar lunch and he'll buy Grant a fifteen dollar lunch. Oh, I just think, wow! I'm, I'm he, I bet you he's that type of guy. So, anyway, that's basically my take i think it's all in how you carry yourself with people respect you or not as as far as a coach and stuff but i think that's a great take i do too yeah awesome all right appreciate it rick have a good weekend man yeah you do the same thank you there he is 877-867-1670 while grant is carrying dave around zone madison golf outing next friday i will document that interaction throughout the day 877-867-1670 let's hit one more before break Line one, you're on the Bill Michaels show. Who do we got? This is Southside Scott. Scott, what up? Scott. Hey, Grant. Hey, calling about the tie issue. Yeah. Wow. It, okay. it, it is provocative. I didn't know it'd yeah. be this provocative. My take when it comes to a tie, it's all situational. So which situations are you in favor of the tie? Because I might argue against them. Um, a funeral. A wedding. Okay. Um, even a very important business meeting, especially if you're having a meeting with the upper heads of your company. Um, I am a fan of a tie, but I'm a fan of situational. It needs to be the right reason to wear one. You know, that is a very calm and measured take. And I really cannot disagree with any of that because number one, I'm not meeting with many top of, you know, the world CEOs in a large New York high rise. Clearly I work in radio in Wisconsin. Uh, so I, I wouldn't have have known that you worked on radio in Wisconsin. Ah, yeah, I know. I'm, (laughs) I'm giving a lot away today. Uh, and then weddings. I mean, I still don't, but my family also, the weddings that my family has had cousins, uh, all that stuff, they've been a little more casual. You know, right. where yeah, then it doesn't, then it doesn't call for it. Yeah. The bride and groom literally say, ca- but casual for a wedding, it's really impossible what that means. So, I mean, I know what I'm wearing next weekend, but I hope it's not too much, but I'm not wearing a tie. So I don't think it can be. So there you go. Yeah. To me, to, yeah just to me, it's situational. That's all. All right. I think that's very fair. And can I will I accept add a that situation where you shouldn't wear a tie in my opinion. Sure. Uh, Catholic mass. No, we don't need ties. You know, I no. anytime, you know, I went to Catholic school growing up. Brief story time. Family went every Sunday. I went every Friday. Just church a lot. And you don't need a tie. Nice sweater. Even nice jeans in a sweater if it's ordinary time, you know. When some individual waltzes into mass with a dress shirt and a tie, 
to me, that just screams, I never come to church. So I dress huh. way too nice, and now I stand out like a sore thumb. We don't need ties in church. I've long held that opinion. Well, I, I know you that. were dying to hear that, but. Well, we learn something new every day about you, Grant. Yeah, well, I mean, God. yeah, he said he's the mom of his friend group. I appreciate the phone call, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Scott. All right. 877-867-1670. We'll step away, take a quick break. We'll get back into the Thai stuff. We could talk. That can persist throughout the rest of the show, the hour and a half we have left. But more thoughts on the Packers. I think there are a couple angles we could go that we haven't yet gone, talking about how the rookies could perform, which ones could break out with training camp getting underway in the coming days. We're stepping away. Take a quick break. It's Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. It's the Bill Michaels Show. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Grant Bills. 877-867-1670. You want to join the show, do it. Talking Packers, rookies reporting to minicamp as we speak, talking about where the impact could be made aside from those top three guys, the top first two-round picks. I mean, Grant, I wouldn't necessarily put all my eggs into the offensive line basket with Ryan and Zach Tom, given, I mean, I guess they project to be more inside. And if there were problems at tackle, you figure Yash Nijman is the uh, the bet to take one of those spots. If Bakhtiari, yeah. who Rob Reichel, Mike Clements have both said their gut tells them 50-50 Bakhtiari participates in training camp. Which is concerning. Oh, sweet hell. Um, Rashid Walker, I think he's a couple years away. And that's from watching what Wisconsin did to him and then throughout the rest of the season. There's a lot of potential there. You see it. But also, a couple years away. Uh, like Herbig. Zach Tom and uh, Sean Ryan. I feel like if you had you had to bet money on some player in this draft class working out, it'd be a pretty safe bet to bet one of those two guys works out. Yeah, Zach, pretty good. Zach Tom just sounds like a really yeah. solid left guard. Yep. Or yep. a center. Uh, so that's the offensive line. Samori Torre was my pick, and we were talking about him earlier because the special teams impact for some of these rookies, it's going to be how they have to pave their way. Another name I want to throw in that ring is Tariq Carpenter, seventh round pick from Georgia Tech. Like, he was a special teams ace. Georgia Tech is one of those programs where you see a lot of guys come out, special teams ace, and that's what he does. Technically, linebacker, safety, whatever. Not going to crack the two deep, most likely. But special teams, that's where he can make his money. So Carpenter and Toure, I'm, I'm excited, really, to watch and see if they make the roster for that exact purpose. Uh, Packers Wire had a good article Will Sean Ryan or Zach Tom earn a starting role? Do you want to put your eggs into whether one of the two would? Do you want to guess one of the two and see what they say here, Grant? Um, do they do they say that one probably will? Or are you asking me to to see if I can guess what the article says? No, they don't say if if one will. But it always seems to okay, maybe not at the beginning of the year, but 
the last four or five years, it always seems with the Packers, there's an injury and then someone slides in and does great. You know what I mean? There's always examples of that because they always have so much depth from guys like Zach Tom, Sean Ryan. So probably not at the beginning of the year, but I'd put some money that at some point this year, one of those two guys slides in and plays some reps and probably plays pretty good because we see that I feel like just about every year. I think I would take Ryan and it's laid out well. Article reads, uh, the Packers have a good track record and there was some research done for this, but it says good track record of drafting players that played offensive tackle in college and kicking them inside to guard. Most notably Josh Sitton and TJ Lang. They've done it most recently with John Runyon. Ryan could be next there. Question is, which guard spot would that be? And Zach Tom's also an interior guy. Runyon, I love, and Newman, I really like as well. I think I would take Ryan because of, of that exact uh, history. But also, Goody said, we certainly think he could play, talking about Ryan, tackling the National Football League. He's 320 pounds and moving him inside to handle that kind of power. We think his best football is ahead of him. So, you know, I could see him starting the season as a backup at one of the guard spots. Maybe move him out to tackle again if the Bakhtiari thing and the Jenkins thing really flares up. To me, my biggest concern about the team overall is the health of those two tackles. Jenkins don't expect back for a little bit, obviously, but Bakhtiari, I mean, if he doesn't participate in training camp, that probably means he's 50-50 for week one. But even so, if he's then playing, where is his knee at? Is he even healthy? At that point, that's, I mean, my biggest concern by far. It's really sad to think about, but. Dude, he should be playing week one. If he's not playing week one, I like, I don't want some coach or some GM to lecture me about how they're being cautious or what, like, if he's not playing week one, there's a big problem. And, you know, if we're considering whether one of these young guys slots in at any point, Bakhtiari could be in and out. Jenkins at some point, we hope will rejoin the team, but Jenkins could play tackle. Jenkins pl- could play guard. So if they say they really like Sean Ryan, he's playing left guard and he's doing pretty darn good. Well, if Jenkins comes back, maybe they throw him a right tackle and Ryan stays there the whole year, or maybe they move around. You know, this always seems to be the case with the Packers. They're always working these guys up from depth spots. And this year that's going to be even more important because there's so many question marks with their two best guys who are both hurt. Yeah. You, you mentioned that Bakhtiari needs to play week one. What if he does play week one, but doesn't look good and doesn't look fluid. Like he needs to look a hundred percent week one. He should. I mean, let's see. It's been two new years ago when this happens, right? It happened new year's Eve. Yep. A couple years ago. Yeah. It'll be a year and uh, a half. No, 20 months, 20 plus months, 21 months. There's some tremendous irony to be found there in what if Zadarius Smith, who is 100% healthy for the Minnesota Vikings starts dusting Bakhtiari, who's not at all healthy for the Green Bay Packers in week one. What is Zadarius Smith's deal? Like, you go to the Vikings, get your bag, good for you, but why are you acting like there's some acrimony here? I mean, I don't know if that's the right word. What are you pissed about? I think there could be something there. Mike Clemens was on with us earlier this week, and he said when Minnesota Vikings training camp happens and when something comes out about why Zadarius left. Those were the words. Mm. So I think there's something more there, but I mean, talk about a, a kick to the balls. Zadarius Smith is out there fully healthy. You're a little shallow at outside linebacker. And then, you know, your left tackle, who's 
I, I just can't get how he's not back to at least being able to have the writers say, you know, I'm 100%. I, I think he'll be a training camp. There's no confidence from LaFleur, from Goody, from anybody. So, therefore, I have none. I think that's my biggest concern at this point going into the year. If they had Bakhtiari the last two years, do you think they would have made a Super Bowl? I think they would have advanced to a Super Bowl? No. I don't think it would have changed. I agree. Well, he did play. No. Did he play? In the, no, he didn't play in the playoff game. No, he didn't play. He played against the Lions. Yeah. And then he sat out against the Niners. A lot of Packers fans have convinced themselves, well, if Bakhtiari plays in 2021, I I don't know. That would not I have changed know. that game at all. They didn't lose because of tackle play. They lost because of everything else. They lost because of the special teams, and they lost because of the lack of big-time throws from the quarterback. See, I would agree. A lot of people would disagree, but I agree, for the record. They just need some sort of continuity on the offensive line. They have all this money invested into this guy. He hasn't played in two years. Also, think back to that game. I mean, a lot of those sacks were just coverage sacks, right? When the Niners did pressure Rodgers, it was because he didn't have anywhere to go with the football. I don't know what tackle changes that. Revisionist history. I see a lot of tweets, and it's from the same annoying. Oh, I know what this is. Revisionist history. The Niners were not some juggernaut defense. They have a couple good players, but their secondary was not good at all. You know, they had a couple good edge rushers. Okay. But looking back now, Packers fans have convinced themselves that that was the Legion of Boom defense that beat them at Lambeau. And that's just not the case. Yeah. That one tweet that I see resurface often. It's like, what are we doing here? Is it the one that I sent you and then retweeted a couple days ago? It's what, yeah, it's whatever one about uh, trying to list all of the things that happened and then uh, yeah. do one of those sarcastic jabs while also just telling on yourself or uh, not really saying what actually happened. I believe the exact <sighs> words and people say the quarterback choked. Like I'm not out here I, saying I have, he didn't completely yeah. like there was so much that went wrong in that game. But to say he is just free of all talk and all criticism when I mean, there were no throws made in that game. Towards the end, not one throw was made. Yeah, and people no. say the quarterback, oh, I don't know. All right, 877-867-1670. We'll talk more about this when we come back. Plus more on the Brewers. How do they become a World Series contender? Talk about that more. One more hour, one full hour, and a segment left to go. It's the Bill Michaels Show on a Friday. Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Coming up at the top of the hour, Kyler Murray was signed to a contract yesterday. There was another quarterback signing. We'll talk about that around the NFL a little bit with training camp getting underway. We're kind of grand officially into that mode of like every day Schefter will give us something today. It's jerseys, which, you know, whatever. But there was that time in the off season where every day there was something. Now it feels like as soon as we get close to the MLB trade deadline, the NFL might just news dump it into oblivion. So that kind of started yesterday. Yeah, we're getting scoops here and there. I love that the Kyler Murray contract came out because it had been a while since we got a story from the NFL. A couple weeks ago, it was, I guess it was months ago now, 
was Russell Wilson one day and Rogers contract the next. And it was just over and over and over and over again. Dude, that um, was like February. No, not fe- that was like March, March, April, somewhere in there. Yeah. Which feels not as long ago as it is. Um, like which just goes to time. show like, yeah, the NFL keeps going all the time. Uh, but the last few weeks have been pretty quiet. So I'm glad we got the Kyler Murray extension. But as we get into camp, you know, the classic storyline, like which quarterback's going to get hurt. Then all of a sudden, Jimmy G is super valuable. And, you know, you can kind of see some storylines that might be starting to shape up in the next few weeks. And the new helmets. What do you think about those Bengals white helmets? Oh, man, the Eagles had some sweet ones. They're also going to the retros for the Eagles for a game this year. I'm excited for that. Did you like those? You know that that game that Eddie Lacy scored like eight touchdowns against Philly in 2018? No, not 2018. 2014? 14. Chip Kelly? Yeah, 14. When they wore those weird unis with the circles, the yellow circles and the dark blue. Do you like those? Oh, yeah. The Packers throwbacks? Yeah. Uh, I mean, no. I The Packers jerseys home and away are just so... Like, you can't really mess with those. There's no really way to tweak them or they just kind of are what they are. Um, the blue and yellows or whatever. They've worn them once a year forever, so I'm just used to them. I feel you. I'm a fan was of a good... The, was this a Kevin Cobb game, by the way, in 2014? No. Was he ever on the Eagles? Well, yeah, but no. He That was like 2008, 2009. Oh, no, 2000. No, 10 was Vic. Um, Vic came in for Cobb. I believe. Oh no, that so was 2014. That was oh my Nick, god, they beat him. That was 53 to 20. Sam Bradford, Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember this game at all. I remember I highlights like it was yesterday. They just <laughs> demolished because that was when everyone thought Chip Kelly could coach in the NFL. That was when they thought his system was this new amazing thing. When he came into a franchise, traded away every good player, and then thought he could just run and speed would win. Then eventually the players were like, you know, like we're tired. This is, this is horrible. <laughs> like the, the, Dude, listen, listen to these Randall Cobb in this game, 10 catches, 129 yards on 13 targets. Jordy Nelson, four catches, 109 yards and a touchdown. Yep. Good God. I remember but Eddie. These are cool. Eddie Lacy went nuts too, right? You have that game up. Yeah, he had 10 carries, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers had 30. He was their second leading rusher in that game. Old Mm. Kuhn got involved. I'm sure they tried to force feed him a touchdown at some point because that's Aaron Rodgers' favorite thing to do. Philly was 7-3 and at the time. It's not like this is a bad Philly team. I know. They went 10-6. and That was one of those games of, are you real? It was right after Mark Sanchez put up 30 on the Panthers on Thursday night football. And then went to Geno's, the cheesesteak spot later that night. And everyone was going crazy. They said, Sanchez, Sanchez. And he's like, yeah, eating a cheesesteak. And then I don't think he won another game. And then they play Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to watch the highlights over the break. Here's my childhood. All right. Well, we'll be back. We're talking NFL. Kyler Murray, another quarterback was signed. And then the Browns made a move. We'll tell you what that is when we come back. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills, in for Bill Michaels. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.